The scripture for today comes from Acts 22, 1 through 21. Brothers and fathers, listen to the defense that I now make before you. When they heard him addressing them in Hebrew, they became even more quiet. Then he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, educated strictly according to our ancestral law, being zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way up to the point of death by binding both men and women and putting them in prison, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify about me. From them I also received letters to the brothers in Damascus, and there I went in order to bind those who were there and bring them back to Jerusalem for punishment. While I was on my way and approaching Damascus, about noon a great light from heaven suddenly shone about me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, Who are you, Lord? Then he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. I asked, What am I to do, Lord? The Lord said to me, Get up and go to Damascus. There you will be told everything that has been assigned to you to do. Since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, those who were with me took me my hand and led me to Damascus. A certain Ananias, who was a devout man according to the law and well spoken of by all the Jews living there, came to me, and standing beside me, he said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. In that very hour, I regained my sight and saw him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear his own voice. For you will be his witness to all the world of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you delay? Get up, be baptized, and have your sins washed away, calling on his name. After I had returned to Jerusalem, and while I was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance, and I saw Jesus saying to me, Hurry and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And while the blood of your witness Stephen was shed, I myself was standing by, approving and keeping the coats of those who killed him. Then he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Bless you. Well, for the last five Sundays, we've been talking about witnesses, and we've been looking through the book of Acts and all these inspiring characters who, who were witnesses to, to Christ and sharing the good news. And so today we, we have Paul and Paul's story. Paul, no doubt, is one of the most important figures of the New Testament in spreading the, uh, um, spreading the word of Christ. Over half the New Testament is written by, by Paul. 
um, of the books, the letters. And uh, so we, we, we celebrate Paul, who came to know Christ in a dramatic kind of way. It's really interesting that, that Luke, who wrote Acts, recorded Paul's story twice. Twice, um, in the 22nd chapter, what we just read, in the 26th chapter, he tells his story again. And, and in the ninth chapter of Acts, it is his conversion story, which, so in other words, you get it three times in, in this one book, which is, you know, it, it's pretty impressive. It, you get the idea that storytelling is important. We tell our stories and they have power. So oftentimes we, and I've said this before, we get all obsessed about what we believe, but it's a little more interesting to me in why we believe. How did we get where we are today? Everybody here has a story. You have a story because, because uh, the church has poured into you. Somebody has influenced you to help you get to where you are today. At the nine o'clock service, Terry told her story. I wish it was recorded. She'll have to do it again so we can all hear it. Um, you know, what, what's your story? Paul's story is fairly, fairly simple. Um, you know, it, 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 he, he was a persecutor of Christians. He was a bad guy. He beat people. He bound them. He dragged them back and harassed them. This is not the kind of guy you'd want to hang out with, you know? He's kind of mean-spirited. Mean-spirited um, self-righteous people are the worst, hey? You know, mean-spirited. Anyway, so, so he was just not a lot of fun. And he, so, and he was on this way to, the, to Damascus where he was going to beat up some more brothers and sisters who believed a little differently than he did because they believed in Jesus and, and bind them and bring them back to Jerusalem. And on his way, he has this light, bright light that blinded him and he fell down to the ground. He couldn't see and he heard this voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who, who are you, Lord? Who are you? And, and he said, this is Jesus of Nazareth whom you're persecuting. Oh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't such a, a pleasant time for Saul, I suspect. And he said, go to Damascus and you'll meet a man with a dog. Not really. But wouldn't it have been more interesting if he had had a dog, you know? Meet a man with a dog. Anyway, so he was at Damascus and there was Ananias and he comes to him and he, and he says, Paul, receive sight. Paul's life is turned around. He's changed. He's a different person. And now he's an evangelist of the gospel. And he takes the gospel to the Gentiles. You see, Paul had this idea that God's love was only for people who followed the letter of the law. And God's idea was that all people are welcome. All are loved. All are accepted. And so Paul changes his mind. You know, it takes a lot of love for somebody to change their mind. Have you changed your mind lately about something? You know, you believed really strongly in one thing and then some, suddenly something happens and your mind expands, your life expands and you change your mind? Probably not. Because we don't like to change our minds, right? <laughs> you know, we, we get hell-bent in a certain direction and 
don't expect me to change directions. And yet Paul changed directions. His life was different after he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. That's his life story. That's his faith story. He was like this before and then he was different. And what the difference was, was meeting Jesus. What's your story? What's your faith story? Many people can say, I would live this way, I was thinking this way, and then I changed, and I, I changed my mind, and I, I lived this way, and the difference was meeting Jesus. That's your testimony. It's, it can be a simple thing. After the um, 8, 8.30 service this morning, Kathy Kilpatrick came up to me and she said, you know, have you seen the videos of people in our church? They told their stories in two minutes or less. I said, no, I didn't know. That's what we've been talking about this, this, last, this last month. She said, well, go see Stephen. He has it all. <laughs> so Stephen, there we are. I'm supposed to, I have my homework cut out for me now. I've been asking people, why are you a Christian? Tell your story. Why are you a Christian? Because stories have power. The reason Paul's story is in Acts twice is because when we tell our stories, it's powerful. And so today I'm going to try to share with you my story of why I'm a Christian. I am a Christian, <clears throat> excuse me, because throughout my life, every time I needed a guide, encouragement, guidance, or a vision about what the world ought to be like, it always showed up to me. God, through people, through books, through ideas, through art, inspired me through music. Anytime I had a great need and I cried out to God for help or even didn't cry out for God for help, a guide, a teacher, a professor, a book all helped me make sense of my life, helped, helped me out. That's why I'm a Christian, because every time in my life, things have happened. I grew up in the church. My parents always were in church. They took me to church whether I wanted to go or not. And <clears throat> at the church, there were aunts and uncles and parents and grandparents that adopted me. They, so, so I had people that, that looked out for me. When I sat away from my parents and by, with my friends and, and we would get a little rowdy in church and, and, and there were aunts and uncles that gave me the evil eye. <laughs> they let me know what was right and what was wrong, you know. Throughout my life, the church was there pouring into me. I, can, I went through confirmation and said yes to God. And, you know, I, it was, the church was just part of my life. When I was in, in junior high, it, it was, uh, <clears throat> it, was, it became very uh, popular in, in, with junior highs I was in schools with to get saved and go to the altar and cry and give your life to Jesus. And my Baptist junior high friend said, now Dale, are you saved? Are you sure? I said, well, I think so. I joined the church. I went through confirmation in church, but are you sure? I wasn't sure, I didn't know, I felt, I felt insecure, vulnerable. Have you ever felt that way? You know, I, I, and, and so I, I didn't know what to do. And so I went to my pastor, Earl Gordon, and I said, 
Earl, I, we called him Earl. Isn't that great? You know, <laughs> Earl, I, I, you know, my, my friends are getting saved, and I, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I, I want to be saved. I, I give them, you know, I pray. I'm in church every Sunday. I'm in youth group. I'm at, I was confirmed, and he said, Dale, salvation works in all kinds of ways. Some people have dramatic conversion experiences like Paul on the road to Damascus. They see bright lights and they fall down on the ground and, and it's a real emotional thing, dramatic way. And other people come to know God in a very smooth way. And he said, it's like when you're trying to ride a horse. You know, if, if some people ride a horse that's never been ridden before and it starts bucking, it's dramatic. And, and, and other people, they just get on a horse and it's smooth sailing. I always thought that's kind of a weird thing to say. But, uh, but anyway, that's what he said. And <clears throat> he said, now what was the first time you, you ever told your parents you loved them? I don't know. He said, when's the first time they ever told you they loved you? I don't remember, it's just always been there. He said, why do you think it'd be any different with God? All your life you've told God you love God, you wanted to be a Christian and, and, and God has, has, has been pouring into you love all your life. <clears throat> In the Methodist church we say, we have been saved, we are being saved, we shall be saved in the future. Salvation is an ongoing process. It was so reassuring to me. So when my Baptist friend said, are you saved? I had, I had a response. I had some confidence. Every time in my life, when I had questions, when I had doubts, that somebody was there to help me. <clears throat> when I went to college and seminary, I, I started studying the Bible seriously. And I had so many questions about faith, about God, about the Bible. And I said, I don't know that I can be a Christian, much less a preacher. I had been, I had been poured into and felt called to ministry from an early age. I remember when I was a Boy Scout and, and my scoutmaster said uh, on campouts, he, he would say, all right, Dale, he called me Deacon. Deke, it was his nickname for me. Deke, I want, do you have, you have a Bible? You're going to do worship on Sunday, you know, on the camp out. And so I'd come up with a song, you know, we'd sing Blessed Assurance, Amazing Grace, and Onward Christian Soldiers. And, uh, and, and I'd read something from the Bible and say something to the scouts, and the scouts would just sit there and grin. They were just tickled it wasn't them that had to lead it, you know, and so, so I, and eventually, and I said to my scoutmaster, why are you picking on me? Why me? And he said, well, well, Deacon, I think you're going to be a preacher. I said, yeah, you think? After that, for a few years, I, I did feel a call, a stirring in my heart to be a pastor, and I went up, to my pastor and I, I said, I've got to tell you something. He said, okay. So we arranged the time, it was a big deal. So I sat down and I, in his office, I said, I, 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 I couldn't get it out. I was trying to tell him something and I, he said, get it out, just say it. And I said, I think I might be called to be a preacher. He said, I know, <laughs> we've all known. What else did you want to talk about? 
any time in my life I've had doubts or needed assurance, I, I was reinsured by someone in the church that poured into my life. So I went off to college, I had all these, I started studying the Bible, I had all these questions. You see, I kind of thought, I'm, you know, I don't, I'm just embarrassed to say, but I thought God wrote the Bible, you know? And then I, then I started seeing all these weird stories and all these things that didn't make sense, you know? Today's Ascension Sunday. Where did Jesus ascend from the Mount of Olives or in Galilee? The Gospels don't, I mean, one Gospel says one thing, God, one Gospel says the other, which is it? You know, if God wrote it, it would have made, been consistent, don't you think? So I, so I had to realize that, you know, maybe people wrote the Bible from their perspectives. I had lots of questions, you know, did, was Jesus crucified on Thursday, like John's gospel said, or Friday, like the other gospels said? I had all these questions. Have you had any questions? You know, sometimes people, in the, they, they read the Bible, I mean, they come and tell me, preacher, I love the Bible. I love all the stories in the Bible. I love every word in the Bible. And I'm thinking, I don't think you're really reading it. Because <laughs> it's really got some weird stuff, you know? You know, there's weird stories there. I really studied. So I really studied the Bible and, and, I, and I learned that, that I was pretty naive about it. And I had these questions. And I had other questions like, why do bad things happen to good people? How, how do you work that out? Have you figured that out yet? I had questions about, about science. Do, do I have to choose between science and God? I had to figure that out when I, in my theology classes and, and how, how you can believe and embrace um, creation and, and, and science and, and the creation stories together. I had to figure that out and I said to my professor, I said, I don't know if I can be a Christian or a pastor because I have all these questions and, and, the, and the professor said, that's what we're training you to do is ask questions and help you figure, out, figure it out now because there will be times in your life where you're gonna to need to have some things figured out or else you're, it'll be like your house is built on sand and the, and the waves will come and wash your faith away. You need to go deeper in your understanding of the Bible, deeper in your understanding of theology and faith. After seminary, I started serving churches and then elders Claude Whitehead and Burt Goodwin came up to me and they said, Dale, we need you, you need to get a deeper spiritual life. You need to learn how to pray. And they were right. And so they said, you need to go to Emmaus. So I went to Emmaus. And they said, you need to do Academy for Spiritual Formation. I did Academy for Spiritual Formation. Because they knew, they said, you know, there will be a time in your life where you need a deeper prayer life. Just reading the upper room is not going to do it. You need to understand the, how the spirit works in the world. One of the most moving experiences that I had as a pastor was on a chrysalis uh, 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 retreat. It's like a walk to Emmaus for young adults and I was a spiritual director and on Saturday night I walked up at Camp Simatonga to Hutto Auditorium and there were all these people holding candles and they were singing and, and I would, had to talk to them and I, and I said things that I never planned to say and, and, and people afterwards said, Dale, you were on fire. And I said, 
It's really weird, isn't it? It's unlike me. Usually I'm pretty milk toast, you know, not very exciting at all. And, and I felt on fire too. And it's like, whoa, the Holy Spirit was just moving through me. It was a very unusual experience. And, and it was just a week later that the tornado came that, that uh, destroyed my wife's church, the Ghost and Methodist Church, and destroyed our home and killed 20 people, including our daughter. It's as if God was preparing me to know that I was not alone in the midst of that tragedy. A couple days after the tornado, my wife woke me up. We were staying in our district superintendent's home because we didn't have a place to stay. And, and, and she woke me up and she said, I've just had a dream, a dream about heaven. And I saw vivid colors like I've never seen before. And the, the, the grass was so green, it was just unbelievable colors. And I saw our daughter playing there and she was so happy. This is a sign, I think, that she's okay. Every time in my life when I've had doubts, when I've needed a guide, something has happened through a vision, a dream, a book. One of the books that was important to me in seminary was by a theologian named Jürgen Moltmann, who had suffered in World War II in concentration camps. He was a Christian theologian, teacher, pastor. In this book called The Crucified God, he, he wrote that about suffering in the world and said, when there is suffering and someone is crying, God is crying also. When you're grieving and, and you're upset and you are crying, God cries also, your tears intermingle. So after the tornado, just a couple of days, um, we woke up and had to do a, 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 a morning news shows for, I can't remember, I think we were on today's show in CBS this morning, whatever. And anyway, one of the, in talking to those, the national um, things, I said, well, I woke up this morning thinking about Jürgen Moltmann <laughs> and how when one person suffers, we all suffer. Every time in my life, I've needed a help, I've needed guidance. The, the words were there. Someone gave me some encouragement. A few years after the tornado, my, my wife and I, we were serving churches. We were, we were doing well. We had started programs. We were in building programs in both of our churches. And the, our church had really grown. Had actually, the one I was in had doubled in size. It was really a miracle, not because of me, but just because they did good stuff. God worked in our midst. And we were... Uh, and, and we were, but we were felt restless. We just thought there was something else we were supposed to do, but we didn't know why. We had visited Africa. We really liked <clears throat> Africa, and we got to see the effects of missionaries that had been coming to these places for 115 years. And, and I remember in old Mutari walking in the, in the cemetery by the old church, where the missionaries were buried, the missionary cemetery, and these people left America never to return home. And they gave their lives in service, and I was just in awe-inspired. And, 
And my wife and I said, you know, maybe we need to be missionaries. Maybe that's what God is calling us to do. And um, so we got back home and we filled out our forms, sent them into New York to the Board of Global Ministries and, and just waited. Nothing happened. That was fine. And then, and then I was just on this mission trip to Belarus, which is more communist than Russia, you know, a very communist place, very, it's been in the news lately. <clears throat> and, um, and, and so after Belarus, we went over to Lithuania and, and there for 50 years, the, the Soviet Union had closed all the Methodist churches and <clears throat> it was illegal to have a Bible. There was no Bible translated at that time in Lithuanian language. None, it had not been done yet, and uh, that, but some people, in, the Christians, had 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 a part to the Bible, like a chapter of from a letter or a gospel or something, and they had some of those things, and and so I, I met these people that for 50 years had had kept the faith in their privacy of their homes. And, uh, and had prayed one day that their churches re, were, would reopen. 50 years later, um, when Soviet Union fell, they were able to start churches. And so General Board of Global Ministries was, was trying to send missionaries over to help them restart their churches and reclaim their old, uh, get their property back. So I'm, I remember worshiping in this little Sunday school room of this big church and it was cold in there, it was nasty, it was, it was just dark, and, and, um, but th- there was a good crowd in there. And these little old men and women on canes, they came up to me. They found out I was a pastor and they said, would you come and be our preacher? No pastor will come. And I thought, no. But I couldn't get them out of their my, them out of my mind. You know, they needed a pastor. No pastor would come. It's the last place I would ever consider going. It's cold there. <laughs> so I, I, I met the district superintendent, and I, I just mentioned him. I said, "Well, you know, we might could help you. You know, we filled out forms to be missionaries. You know, they were missionaries." And and he said, "Okay, sure." So I got on the plane, but I couldn't get that that those little old men and women out of my mind. Saying, "Won't you come be our pastor? Nobody will come." Kind of like Paul getting having this vision when he's ready to go to Asia Minor, and 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 he gets this vision from some, the the man from Macedonia said, "Come to Macedonia," and he went to Greece. So I had that kind of vision. I couldn't get it out of my mind. I couldn't sleep. It's kind of like falling in love. You just can't get it out of your mind, and it's all you think about. And I got home and. I told my wife, I said, I just can't get this out of my mind about they, how they need missionaries in Lithuania. Um, I can't, and, and, and a day later, the phone rings. It's somebody from New York at the Board of Global Ministries inviting us to be missionaries in Lithuania. This was in April. They said, can you start in June? We said, no. How could we do that? In a few months, get rid of all of our possessions, how do we do that? We said, but if God is in this, we better say yes. So we met with our district superintendent and we said, we know that you're not going to let us do this. We're in building programs. That's a bad time. And, 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 he, and the DS surprised us. He said, if God is in this, I'm not in the way. He said, but the bishop probably won't let you. So he got on the phone, the bishop answered, and we explained, the DS made us talk to him, and we had to tell Bishop Fannin, we felt God may be calling us with the winning, we don't know, we need to discern, and he said, 
Well, I'm going to support you 110%. The churches in, in Alabama will be fine. If God's calling you, you need to go. We said, oh, no. <laughs> we, then we started packing our stuff. We had 20 barrels for all of our possessions. What we learned when we got there was as twice as much as we needed. <laughs> we started getting rid of all of our possessions and we had a lot of Barbies to get rid of. I didn't miss that. We went and served and it was hard. It was hard, but it was good. And when we came back four years later, we were serving churches, we were different people. You see, before we went, we were known as the tornado people and people could come up and pity is one of the best things in the human spirit, but after a while it gets old when it's directed at you. And people kind of felt sorry for us. And, but after Lithuania, we were different people. Um, the, uh, the people we worked with in Lithuania, we met uh, in people in our churches who, who as babies were handed out of train windows, the trains that were headed to the concentration camps. These people never knew their biological families. We met people who were intellectuals, the ones that had gone to college, who, who were sent to Siberia to the camps in Stalin's day when they cleansed the country of the intellectuals and then they made their way back and were in our churches. We met people who, who had no hope for the future. We would have our youth group meetings and you know how with youth you say, well, what do you want to do in the future? What do you see yourself? And there would be no, no comments because youth had no hope. They could see no path out other than the poverty and the desperation that they lived. We, we, we shared our brokenness, they shared their brokenness, and we were all healed. We all felt healing as we shared our brokenness. We met people who, in those 50 years of Soviet oppression, they, they had their scraps of the New Testament, and, and they, 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 they rolled them up and put them in plastic and hid them under the rock step of their house. Now, if they had been found out, they would have been taken and tortured and arrested. We visited the KGB headquarters in downtown Vilnius, uh, where there was a cell just for pastors and nuns and priests and Christians to be tortured. We shared our brokenness, they shared theirs, and we found healing. And so when we came back, we were different people. We had encountered evil like we had never seen before and brokenness like we had never seen before. And yet in the midst of that, there was the spirit of God and God's presence. I thought that I was gonna go help them restart their churches. But what God had in mind was Kelly and I were gonna go and be healed ourselves of our brokenness. Throughout my life, anytime I needed a guide, a book, had questions, there was somebody there to help me answer those questions and know that God is present. That's my story. That's why I'm a Christian. What is your story? 
where are there times that when have you experienced God's presence in your life? Church, we need to tell our stories to each other. The church is always just one generation away from extinction. If we don't tell our stories, the stories will die. Let us pray. For your presence, O oh God, we give you thanks. For sending aunts and grandparents and uncles in our own churches that have helped in us and encouraged us, we give you thanks. For the many ways our churches have poured into our lives, we give you thanks. Help us to be receptive, to be open to your presence. Help us to have the courage to tell our story of how you're involved in our lives. These things we pray in Christ's name. Amen.